In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Tonight, our Bible study from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10. In the first, I the Bible in English, and then I will add the in the John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is the discourse of our Lord Jesus Christ on the Good Shepherd. And this discourse takes place after the healing of the man who was born blind. And after this man was banished from the Sanhedrin and also was expelled from the temple but by believing in the Son of God, he actually was accepted into the Church of the New Testament. Some scholars believe that this discourse happened immediately after the healing of the man who was born blind, but other commentators believe that this discourse happened three months later. And our Lord Jesus Christ, having declared himself before in chapter 8, that he is the light of the world, as well as in chapter 9, he started by saying, I am the light of the world. And this light should blind the sun while it will illuminate others based on whether you will accept or reject the word of God. Then actually, he gives another metaphor or analogy is the metaphor of the shepherd. After he said, I am the light of the world, here actually he gives the metaphor of a shepherd and the flock. Uh, and in this metaphor, he shows that he was about to form his church from the Jews and Gentiles. And uh, no one will be admitted into the church of the New Testament except to those who hear his voice, recognize his voice, and follow him. Also, the Lord reveals the clear difference between the shepherd who cares for his sheep, for his sheep and the hired servants who feed themselves. In other words, he indicated the difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and the good shepherd who want to deliver mankind from the slavery of sin and how he is totally different from the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Israel who are preoccupied with their personal interests, their personal gain, their personal honor, authority, and profit. Their actions showed that 
they had no concern for the spiritual welfare of Israel. But they were hirelings who used the sheep for their personal benefits. We can actually divide the chapter into five sections. From verse 1 to 6, Jesus the true shepherd. From verse 7 to 21, Jesus the good shepherd. From 22 to 30, the shepherd knows his sheep. From 31 to 39, renewed effort to stone the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last three verses from 40 to 42, the believers beyond the Jordan. Let's start reading from uh, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheep, sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So, in this passage, in the first, actually, uh, three verses, uh, six verses from verse 1 to verse 6, actually, we will see the difference between the true shepherd and the good shepherd. What is the difference between the true shepherd and the good shepherd? So, the Lord Jesus Christ had been involved in an ongoing debate or conflict with the Jewish leaders about who he was and from where his origin is. His miracles should have convinced them that he is the Son of God and he came from heaven. That's his origin. But he had repeatedly stated that they were blind to the truth. They were blind because they did not really want to follow the true God. And they pursued their own motives. So in this section, St. John, the writer of this gospel, records for us a lengthy statement by Jesus, comparing himself to a good and true shepherd, and the Jewish leaders to thieves or robbers or wolves who came to steal his sheep. Jesus and other Bible writers had often used the analogy or the metaphor of sheep and shepherd. This illustration to teach various truths about the relationship between God and his people. One of the very known uh, passages from the Bible about this metaphor is Psalm 23. 
the Lord is my shepherd. But there are other examples in the book of Psalms, Isaiah chapter 40, also in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, and in the first letter of St. Peter. The Lord Jesus Christ started this illustration by contrasting the true shepherd to the thieves. How you know who is the true shepherd and who is the thief? The true shepherd would enter the sheepfold by the door, but one who tried to climb up and enter some other way must be a thief. And this illustration is demonstrated in the ordination of the Pope. If you remember seven years ago when we celebrated the enthronement of Pope Tawadros, the first thing they closed the door of the church and the archdeacon gave him the key so he opened the door and entered through the door. And this was to symbolize that he is the true shepherd who entered through the door, did not climb up from other way. Climb up from other way means using deceit, trickery, or any illegitimate means to get the sheep to follow him or to claim leadership of the sheep. But the Lord Jesus Christ had legitimate right to lead the sheep. So he could come in directly through the door using honest, upright means to call the sheep to follow him. Even St. Paul in his letter to Hebrews chapter 7 when he said, nobody can take this honor from himself but the one who is called by God, like Aaron. He said, and Jesus himself did not take this honor to himself, but, but from God the Father, who called Jesus and said to him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So even the Lord Jesus Christ was called by God the Father when he prophesied on the mouth of the psalmist and said about Jesus, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So the one who resort to dishonest, deceitful methods because he has no legitimate claim to lead the sheep, this one is the thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door, thank you, he who enters by the door actually is the true shepherd. 
And I want you to observe here the marks, the qualities, the duties of a good servant. He starts his service by a divine commission, by divine authority. He cannot come by himself, but he has to be sent, he has to be called by God. The good servant does not take the honor to himself or thrust in himself and assume an office to himself, but he is called unto it. Saint Augustine wrote about his role as a shepherd of Jesus' flock. He said, I seek to enter in among you, that is, into your heart, to preach Christ. If I were to preach other than that, other than Christ, I should be trying to enter by some other way. Through Christ I enter in, not to your houses, but to your hearts. Through him, through Christ, I enter, and you have willingly heard me speak of him. Why? Because you are Christ's sheep, and you have been purchased with Christ's blood. End of the book. There is only one gate, and the gate is Christ, as he said in verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. So, the Lord is both the door and the doorkeeper. He is the gate and the gatekeeper. As St. Augustine said, may we not be confused in understanding his words. He does carry the symbols of both the door and the doorkeeper. St. Augustine said, Jesus is both the door and the doorkeeper. For what does the door indicate? It is the way to enter in. And what does the doorkeeper represent? He is the one who opens the door. Therefore, who is the one who opens, opens the door? other than Jesus himself in order to be revealed and seen. So, for St. Augustine, the gate and the doorkeeper are both Jesus. But other commentators said the doorkeeper is God the Father who opened the door, who sent Jesus 
Opening the door means sending Jesus to save the world. Other scholars said the doorkeeper is the Holy Spirit who anointed Jesus to be our Messiah, the chrismated one or the anointed one. The good shepherd does not send his sheep into a field where there is no wolf. Indeed, actually the Lord Jesus Christ said that he is sending us in the midst of the wolves. I send you as lambs in the middle of the wolves. Therefore, he goes before us to protect us from the wolves. The Lord has gone before his sheep to the pasture of the cross and of suffering so that the sheep would not fear the road leading to Golgotha. So the Lord did not promise us that he will send us into pastures where there is no wool. He told us, I send you as lambs among wool. But he went before us. He went to the cross before us. He went to Golgotha before us. He went to Gethsemane before us. So that when we start walking on the road of suffering or the road of Golgotha, we will not be afraid. As we read in verses 3 and 4, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. He goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So the sheep will not fear death. And for as long as they are in company of the crucified Lord, they will feel safe. They will feel secure. Also, they know his voice. There are dangers for the sheep if they don't recognize the shepherd's voice. The flock or individual sheep can be deceived and led astray if he does not know the voice of the true shepherd. Just as those within the church can be easily deceived and led astray by following the voice of a false teacher. Jesus later on will address the danger of the flock being threatened by false teachers. Note that the shepherd does not need to drive the sheep. Rather, he leads them. Once he walks, the sheep follow him. He leads them. There is no need to compel each one to follow. He just simply calls them by name. 
It's interesting that Jesus said, the shepherd calls and the sheep will follow. And the shepherd calls the sheep by name. Means there is a very personal relationship between the Lord Jesus Christ and each one of us. God doesn't know us as group or as a community. But he knows us as well as individuals. When he said he knows them by name, not just knowing the name, but knowing the condition of each one of us as a good shepherd, he knows what are our needs, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses. And he will lead us and protect us in this journey. There is a personal relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. Verse 5, Yet they, the sheep, will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So since there are thieves, robbers, who may be calling to us, we must know the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ in order not to be led astray. How to know the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ? By studying the sacred scripture through and understanding the the scripture through the teaching authority of the church and by faithfully receive the sacraments of the church. This is the best way to become familiar with the voice of the Good Shepherd. Also, the sheep will not follow stranger. They know the voice of the stranger and they don't follow them. Verse 6, Jesus used this illustration to explain to them who is the true shepherd and how can they recognize the true shepherd from the false shepherd. But they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. They don't understand and so the Lord Jesus Christ potentially tries again from verse 7 to explain and to elaborate more. He did not say, you did not understand, let it be. But he tried to explain and elaborate in a detailed way from verse 7. He extended the metaphor, sheep, shepherd metaphor, that he mentioned from verse 1 to 5 in order to explain it in more details. What they did not understand, it is the spiritual truth underlying, underlying this metaphor. The Pharisees were unable to understand the word of the Lord. They were the ones who claimed to be the teachers of the people, 
but now they could not understand his teaching. They claimed to possess knowledge, but they did not understand his words. They claimed that they did not need to learn anything else, but they did not understand this illustration. They held in their hearts the word of God, yet they misinterpreted the word of God due to the hardness of their heart and the blindness of their mind. Verse 7, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Because they did not understand what did he mean. The doorkeeper will open the door and the shepherd will go in and will call his sheep. They couldn't understand. So the Lord told them, I am the door of the sheep. Meaning, he is the only way to the Father. Meaning that the Lord is leading us to the Father. He calls himself the door when he watches over us. He calls himself the shepherd when he protects us so that we might not think that his sole mission is to bring us to the Father. If he said, I am the door, and that's it, then we would understand his mission is to lead us to the Father. But after he said, I am the door, he said, I am the good shepherd, which means, yes, he is the way to the Father, but also he watches over us, he leads us to the Father. I am the door of the sheep. Verse 8. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. All who ever came before me. Does this include the prophets in the Old Testament? Definitely not. But this means those who came of their own accord without being sent or called. But the prophets, they had their mission and their calling from God. Maybe also our Lord was referring to the scribes and the Pharisees who have come to challenge his own authority and his origin in front of the people. They wanted to discredit the Lord Jesus Christ. And they pretended to show the way of salvation to the people, but actually they were thieves and robbers. Uh, they came in sheep clothing, but they came to devour the sheep. Also, maybe he meant all the false messiahs who came before him 
and also those who will come after him and they claim to be Christ. But he said, but the sheep did not hear them. The true sheep who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they did not follow and they did not heed the voice of those who oppose the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, he explained more what he means that he is the door. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find Bashar. At the door, Jesus provides the means for the sheep to obtain what they need. If they enter by Jesus, then they will be saved. They will be saved, referring to the forgiveness of sins, which can be obtained only through the Lord Jesus Christ. But also the door provide access to other blessings, they will come in and out and find pasture. The door allows the sheep to go in and out and find pasture, spiritual nourishment. If the sheep fall in the church, so we come in into the church to find the spiritual nourishment. Then we'll go out to the world to witness for Christ. Then we'll come again back in and go out. Come in for spiritual nourishment, go out for witnessing. Jesus is not only a way among many other ways, but he is the only way that leads us to the bosom of the Father. In this sense, He is the door, and we cannot enter into heaven through any other door other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only door. Verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So Jesus came to give us passion, but the, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The thief, however, has no interest in providing nourishment to the sheep or no interest in the well-being of the sheep. He steals the sheep for his own gain and not for the benefit of the sheep. He will kill them, destroy them, and harm them. The description of the thief is opposed to that of the shepherd. Shepherd constantly goes in and out in order to find pasture to the sheep. 
But the thief's visit are very, very rare. And when he comes, it is only for his own selfish purpose and for the ruin of the flock. The Lord said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. He gives the abundant graces that will flow from himself to the church in the sacrament to enrich the lives of each individual on our journey of salvation. And also he enriched the Holy Church journey through the time through the whole time until the final hour of mankind. The prophets of the Old Testament actually saw in the Lord Jesus Christ that he is the Good Shepherd. We read this in Isaiah 40, in Ezekiel 34, in Zechariah chapter 13. Also the disciples experienced him as the bishop of our souls, 1 Peter chapter 2, as the sheep, chief, sorry, as the sheep of the shepherd, 1 Peter 5, and also as the great shepherd in Hebrew chapter 13. Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd who came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. Then verse 11 he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The word I am reminded us by when the Lord appeared to Moses and he told him, I am who I am. So the word I am refers to God. And in the Gospel of St. John, this is the fourth time the Lord Jesus Christ used the word I am. I am the good shepherd. He is the shepherd who is good, fulfilling every thought of, of guidance, support, self-sacrifice, that had ever gathered around the shepherd names. So he is a good, a good shepherd, offering us guidance, support, laying down his life for us. And no image of Christ has so deeply impressed the believers like the image of the shepherd. We find it actually in the earliest Christian literature, as in the works of Tertullian and Clement of Alexandria. We find it in the very early uh, Christian art, painting, embroidery, even statues. statues. Uh, also, many times in our hymns and prayers, 
we chant the Lord as a good shepherd. He said, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That self-sacrifice that would lead the shepherd to risk his own life for his own flock is actually the ideal fulfillment we find it in the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross who literally gave his life for mankind so when he said gives his life for the sheep means he will lay down his life for the sheep these verses about his death on the cross. St. John Chrysostom said, he is speaking of his passion, making clear this would take place for the salvation of the world and that he would go to it freely and willingly. So when the, he said the good shepherd gives his life, he was speaking about his passion, he will die by his own will and authority alone. Why he would do this for our salvation? Verse 12. But a higher name. He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Hireling a man employed to take care of the sheep but to whom wages is paid. The Lord tells us about careless shepherd and he said a careless shepherd is like a hireling. He calls them hireling because they serve in return for money or reward, not out of true love for the people of God. A hireling does not own the sheep. That's why he guards them merely for the pay. He will not risk his life if he sees the wolf coming. Rather, he would leave the flock to the wild beasts. Many times the word hireling can come with a good sense. But here, the word hireling means unfaithful shepherd unfaithful to the sheep that God put in his own trust. Who is the wolf here? The wolf can be the world, the devil, or the false teachers who are in opposition to the word of God. And I want you to see the contrast here the sheep between the shepherd and the hireling. 
One seeks his safety regardless of the sheep. The other seeks the well-being of the sheep regardless of his own needs or even his own life. In the past, Ezekiel reprimanded the hireling and said, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherd feed the flock? Then verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling. He's just working for the money and does not care about the sheep. He doesn't care. He cares about his own personal gain, about his money, about his pay. But he doesn't care about the sheep, even if the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters the sheep. Verse 14, for the second time, he repeats, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. So the Lord repeats again, he is the good shepherd, and that he will lay down his life for the sheep, in contrast to the hireling who flee in the face of danger. The thought of the Good Shepherd is repeated for the second time to show that it expresses the closest communion between the shepherd and the sheep. He said, I know my sheep and am known by my own sheep. So this is the essence of the relationship with Christ. This knowledge is not simply conclusion of intellectual process, but it is a fruit of experience, a personal encounter. St. Augustine says, good shepherding reveals reciprocal love and acquaintance between the shepherd and his flock. The shepherd knows his flock based on his closeness to them rather than on more uh, knowledge drawn from a scholarly book. He relates to his sheep and they relate to him and so they become his subjects who are qualified to know him. So this knowledge, reciprocal knowledge based on experience between the sheep and the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own. It's so sure and profound that it can only be compared to the mutual knowledge of the father and the son. That's why in verse 15 he said, as the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So he compared the knowledge between the shepherd and the sheep to the knowledge between the Son and God, the Father. And then he said this knowledge means what? Means the willingness of the good shepherd to lay down his life for 
the sheep. As if he is saying, I know it is the will of the Father that I should lay down my life for my sheep. That's why we say in our uh, chants, by his own will and the pleasure of his Father and the Holy Spirit, he came and saved us. Verse 16, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, the fold of Israel, but the Argentines. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Lord then speaks about other sheep that are from other nations not from Israel. These are the sheep that he will gather with those of house of Israel to form one flock under one shepherd. All the world is invited to enjoy the protection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. At the same time, the Lord confirmed his inclusive plan he came to include everybody in order, uh, he used this in order to destroy the pride and the haughtiness of Israel. Because Israel imagined that the Messiah would come to Israel alone and they will be the unique flock of God. But the Lord said, no, I will bring sheep from the whole world and I will make all of them one shepherd and one flock. Verse 17. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. The Lord, the father loves me because it is his will, it is his pleasure that I die for the life of the world. That's why he loves him. We see the Lord confronted the Pharisees in various ways. Now he is telling them that they are about to lose their role as shepherd of Israel because he himself will be the one shepherd uh, and it is his intention to unite Israel with the rest of the world and because Jesus is willing to lay down his life for the sheep his father loves him and Jesus plainly stated that though he knew he was going to die, it would not be because the Jews and the enemies will overpower him, but 
he will lay down his life by his own will and by his authority alone. That's why as he will lay down his life, he will take it again. He will take his life again. They will not put him to death against his own will, but by his own will and by his authority alone. That's why in verse 18 he said, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my father. No one could take it from him if he was determined to stop them. As he said to Peter, I can call 12 legions of angels to stop this. He had power from the Father to lay down his life and power to take it up again. So when he died, he is dying because of his love for his sheep, not because they overpowered him. He willingly laid down his life. It is a voluntary sacrifice. Although others would crucify him, but they could not do it if he chose to stop them. This makes his sacrifice a real sacrifice. And therefore, something for which we too ought to love him because he loved us to the extent that he laid down his life for our salvation. I may take it again, he's not only predicting his death, but he's predicting also what? His resurrection. Saint Ambrose says, he laid down his life in order to glorify us. However, he possessed the divine authority to lay it down and to take it up too. His goodness is evident here. He voluntarily lays his life down. Now you also observe his authority to take it again, resurrection. Verse 19. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of this saying. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now again, we see the people are divided over his saying. We saw this before in chapter 7, verse 43, and now for the second time we see division among the people. Some thought that he had a demon and he was insane and people should not listen to him. 
other thought he could not have a demon since he had opened the eyes of the blind man or the man who was born blind. The crowd continues to be divided over who is this man from Galilee. But with each encounter, he wins more disciples. They said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. If he was possessed by a demon, his words would bear similarity to the spirit that produced them. But these are words of deep sense, sobriety, piety. These words cannot come from a man possessed with a demon. And how a man possessed with a demon can open the eyes of a person who was born blind. This is not the work of a demon. They didn't hear a word of impatience proceeding from his lips, nor a look of contempt or indignation is seen in his face. And what he was doing to merit all this, he was instructing the ignorant. He was telling the wretched that he was just going to die to save the world. So the amazing love of God, many people felt it and they were captured by this amazing love of God. But unfortunately, many people also were ungrateful and stubborn uh, to believe in him. So now actually, at the middle of the chapter. So let's stop here at verse 21. I will give a quick summary in Arabic. الصحبة بتكلم على السيد المسيح الراعي الصالح فبيقول الحق الحق أقول لكم إن الذي لا يدخل من الباب إلى حظيرة الخراف بل يطلع من موضع آخر فذاك صارق ولس معروف لو في حظيرة للخراف مين اللي ينط من عصور الحرام إنما الراعي يخش من الباب هكذا لو إحنا الخراف يخش من الباب معناه الله يدعو لا يأخذ أحد هذه الكرامة إلا المدعو من الله كمهرون إنما أن أنا أجي من نفسي وأعمل نفسي راعي وأعمل نفسي قائد للخراف من غير ما حد يدعوني يبقى أنا كده طلعت من موضع آخر تسلقت من على السور المعلمين الكذبة اللي بيضللوا الناس لم يدعوهم ربنا زي الكتب والفريسيين اللي قاموا تعليم المسيح عشان كده يكمل يقول أما الذي يدخل من الباب فهو راع الخراف اللي يأخذ دعوة من الله المدعو من الله هو راع الخراف بولس الرسول قال حتى يسوع نفسه 
ما خدش كهنوته من نفسه بل من الله الآب الذي قال له أنت كاهن إلى الأبد على طرس ملك صادق عبرانيين سبع لهذا يفتح البواب لهذا يفتح البواب والخراف تسمع صوته فيدعو خرافه الخاصة بأسماء ويخرجه نلاقي المسيح قال على نفسه أنه هو الباب وقال على نفسه هو الراعي اللي بيدخل من الباب هو الباب لأني هو الطريق الوحيد إلى الآب ليس لنا قبول لدى الله الآب إلا في ابن يسوع المسيح لا نستطيع أن نقف أمام الله الآب إلا في ابن يسوع المسيح شكده هو الباب هو الراعي لأن هو دخل إلى الحظيرة وقدنا إلى سماء السماوات دخل إلى الحصيرة بتكسده صار إنسانا وخدنا وأجلسنا معه في السماويات وصعدنا معاه وجلسنا معه في السماويات فهو الراعي أما البواب قديس أغسطينوس يقول إن المسيح هو أيضا الباب والراعي والبواب الثلاثة مع بعض قال هو الذي فتح الباب لأن عشان يعلن عن نفسه زمان أكشولي تعرفين في فلسطين المراعي كان يصوروها كده بس ما يحطش باب لما كان الراعي ينام على الباب ينام كده يعني الفتحة اللي منها بيخش الخراف ينام فيها ففيش خروف يقدر يخرج إن هو نايم عند الباب فهو البواب وهو الباب وهو الراعي لكن بعض مفسرين قالوا البواب هو الله الآب لما قال هذا هو ابن الحبيب الذي به سررت له اسمع فهو اللي فتح الباب للابن وهو الذي تعال أنت كاهن إلى الأبد على طقس ملك صادر وفي ناس سانت قالت البواب هو الروح القدس الذي مسح المسيح لما حل عليه في نهر الأردن وصار هو الممسوح رئيس كهنة والنبي والملك سواء هو الآب أو الإبن أو الروح القدس كلها بنفس المعنى لهذا يفتح البواب في بعض ناس تاني قالت البواب هو يوحنا المعمدان اللي قال للناس هذا هو حمل الله الذي يحمل خطايا العالم أو كل الأنبياء والنبوات التي أشارت إلى المسيح وفتحت الباب أمام المسيح عشان يدخل ويقودنا إلى سماء السماوات لهذا يفتح البواب والخراف تسمع صوته فيدعو خرافه الخاصة بأسماء ويخرجها يعني خرافه الخاصة اللي هم عارفين صوته عارفين صوته من خلال الكتاب المقدس عارفين صوته من خلال الكنيسة وأسرارها 
عارفين صوته من خلال اباء الكنيسه الاولين اللي قدروا يميزوا صوته ويمشوا وراه من خلال خبره ومعرفه اختباريه يدعو خرافه الخاصه باسماء ويخرجها يخرجها من هذا العالم علشان ينقذها الى السماء السماوات ومتى اخرج خرافه الخاصه يذهب امامنا والخراف تتبعه لانها تعرف صوته يذهب امامها لان الطريق في زئاب قالها انا ارسلكم مثل حملان وسط زئاب فماشي قصادنا عشان يحمينا مش قصادنا الى الصليب والى الجلجثه علشان لما نشيل الصليب ما نتعبش هو قائد مسيرتنا حتى في الصليب وفي الجلجثه وايضا في القيامه والمجد اما الغريب معلمين الكذبه فلا تتبعه الخراف مش تتبع الغريب بل تهرب منه لانها لا تعرف صوت الغرباء ما تعرفش تعليم غريب كنيسة ترفض المعلمين الكذبه وولاد ربنا ممشوش وراء المعلمين الكذبه هذا المثل مثل الراعي والخراف قاله لهم يسوع اما هم فلم يفهموا لغلاظه قلوبهم ما فهموش المثل ما هو الذي كان يكلمهم به ما عرفوش يعني ايه يعني ايه بيقول الراعي والباب تقصد ايه بالكلام ده يعني هم فهموا القصه بس ما فهموش معنى القصه او تفسير المثل ايه اللي مقصود بيه فالمسيح من محبته ابتدى يشرح باكثر تفصيل هذا المثل فقال لهم يسوع ايضا الحق الحق اقول لكم اني انا باب الخراف انا الطريق الى الاب جميع الذين اتوا قبلهم سراق ونصوص كل اللي جاء قبلي دون ان يكون مرسل من الله ومدعو من الله ده يبقى كان حرامي ولص كل اللي جم قبله قالوا انا هو المسيح هم سراق ولصوص هذا لا ينطبق على الانبياء لان الانبياء مدعوين من الله ولكن الخراف لم تسمع لها الخراف رفضت انها تسمع للانبياء الكذبه زي مشي ورا يوحنا بن زي اخر ايتين في الاصحاح ده ولكن رفضوا يمشوا ورا الكتب والفريسيين دي خراف الخاصه لله انا هو الباب ان دخل بي احد فيخلص لا خلاص ليس باسم غيره الخلاص فقط بالايمان بالمسيح كلنا خلاص مش كده هو الان مش عشان كده هو الباب ومش بس هنخلص ده يدخل ويخرج ويجد مرعى ان دخل بي احد يدخل ويخرج ويجد مرعى يدخل ويخرج ممكن نطبقها على الخرفان او نطبقها على المسيح بمعنى على الخرفان تدخل الى الكنيسه الى الحظيره تشبع وتخرج لتكرس بالمسيح تجد مرعى وتكرس بالمسيح 
أو ممكن يقصد بيه أن الراعي هو الذي يدخل ويخرج بيدخل ويخرج ليه؟ عشان يلاقي مرعى وأول ما يلاقي مرعى مليان مراعي خضرة يأخذ الخلفان في مراعي خضر يقودني وإلى ماء الراحة يوريد أما السارق لا يأتي إلا ليسرق ويذبح ويهلك السارق ده أنا ما تخشش من الباب ده جاء عشان يعمل عشان يسرق يسرق الخلفان تمشي وراه بعد كده يذبحهم معناه يستفيد منهم وبعدين يهلكهم معناها الخلاص الأبدي هم هيهلكوا ده السارق المعلمين الكاسر دي يعملوا كده يضحكوا على الناس بكلام معصول فيسرقوهم وبعدين يستفيدوا منهم ده يذبحوهم وبعدين يتركوهم هالكين أما أنا فقد أتيت لتكون لهم حياة وليكون لهم أفضل ربنا جي مش بس عشان يعطينا حياة بل جي عشان يعطينا الحياة الأفضل من خلال أسرار الكنيسة ومن خلال كلمة ربنا كلام الرزق كلامكم به هو روح وحياة يعيد للمرة الثانية يقول أنا هو الراعي الصالح هو من آية واحد لخمسة قال الراعي الصالح حفظ النفس فين عايلكم فهموش قالهم أنا بقى الراعي الصالح والراعي الصالح يبذل نفس عن الخراف أنا جاء عشان أموت أنا لهذه الساعة أتيت جيت عشان أموت وأفضل خراف دي وخلصها أوعى تفتكروا لما تصلبوني إن أنتم تصلبوني غصب عني أو ضد إرادتي لا أنا لهذه الساعة أتيت ربنا اتكلم على الصارق اتكلم على الراعي الصالح هتكلم على نوع تاني اللي هو الأجير من هو الأجير؟ قال أما الذي هو أجير وليس راعيا الذي ليست الخراف له فيرى الزئب مقبلا ويترك الخراف ويهرب فيخطف الزئب الخراف ويبدده والأجير يهرب لأنه أجير ولا يبالي أجير ولا يبالي بالخراف الأجير ده بيتعين عشان ياخد باله من الخراف وممكن يدخل من الباب برضه ولكن الأجير كل اللي يهمه إيه الأجرة بتاعته بيشتغل عشان أجرة سواء الأجرة دي مادية أو كرامة بيدور عليها بيدور لمكسب شخص عشان كده تعرف الأجير من الراعي أمتى لما يكون في خطر الأجير يقول يلا نفس مش مهم بقى يحصل اللي يحصل للخراف إنما الراعي ما يفرطش في خروف أبدا زي لما هجم ذئب وأسد على قطيع الخراف كان داود النبي هو الراعي لم يترك أكشن الخراف للذئب والأسد بل موت الاثنين وأنقذ الخراف لكن الأجير 
قالها المسيح أجير ولا يبالي لا يبالي بالخراف وكل اللي يبالي لي الأجرة بتاعته الدين الأجرة بتاعتي ده اللي أنا كنت عايزه فيخطف الثئب بالخراف ويبدده أما أنا فإن الراعي الصالح تاني المسيح يؤكد إن أنا الراعي الصالح أنا أعرف قصتي وقصتي تعرفني في معرفة في محب ما درش أهرب ما درش أخلي الذئب يخطف الخراف ويبددها دولت ولادي ده أنا موت وابذل نفسي عشان ولادي أنا أعرف الخراف بتاعته هم يعرفوني زي معرفتي بالآب زي ما الآب يعرفني كما أن الآب يعرفني وأنا أعرف الآب نفس الطريقة كده زي معرفتي بالآب معرفة اختبارية لأن أنا في الآب والألفية هجاز أنا معرفتي بالخراف لأن أنا فيهم وهم فيه أنا جاي عشان أضع نفسي على الخراف ولهذا ولي خراف أخر ليست من هذه الحظيرة ينبغي أن آتي بتلك أيضا فتسمع صوتي وتكون رعية واحدة لراع واحد أنا مش جاي بس عشان إسرائيل أنا جاي عشان العالم كله أنا جاي عشان الأمم عشان أخلصهم عشان أوحد الشعب مع الشعوب وخليهم كلهم كنيسة واحدة جسد واحد جسد المسيح تبقى قطيع واحد وراعي واحد عشان كده الآب يحبوني لهذا يحبوني الآب لأني أضع نفسي لأخذها أيضا الآب يحبني لأنه زي ما تقول في الألحان لأنه بإرادته بإرادة الإبن ومسرت أبي والروح القدس أدى وخلصنا دي مسرت الآب أن الإبن يضع نفسه ويموت عشان يخلصنا ودي مسرت الروح القدس مش كده الآب يحب الإبن لأن الإبن جاء بإرادته علشان يخلصنا لأنه بإرادته ومسرد أبي والروح القدس أتى وخلصنا وقال أضع نفسي لأخذها أضع نفسي في الموت وأخذها في القيامة أضع نفسي معناها أن أنا بإرادتي وسلطاني وحدي يعني لو سيد المسيح ما كانش عايز يخليهم يصدبوه كان منعهم قال لبطر صنع درجيب 12 ربوة من الملايك تدافع عنه تفكر إيه لكن أنا بأسلم نفسي للموت بكامل إرادتي في الليلة التي أسلم فيها ذاته بإرادته وسلطانه شكده التعبير اللاهوتي ما بنقولش أن الله مات نقول الله قبل إليه الموت يعني سمح للموت أن يقترب منه لو ما كانش سمح للموت يقترب منه ما كانش مات لأنه غير المات فليس أحد يأخذها مني لا يستطيع أحد أنه يأخذ روحي مني لا حاجة يقدر يأخذها مني بل أضحى أنا من ذاتي أضحى بإرادتي مش كده على الصليب قال يا أبدا في يديك أستودع روحي أنا بسلم نفس الكامل إرادتي في الوقت اللي أنا حددته في الساعة وفي الدقيقه وفي الثانية أنا بسلم نفسي في يدي الآن لي سلطان أن أضحى 
زي ما سلم نفسه في الساعة التاسعة يوم الجمعة ولي سلطان أن أخذها زي ما حصل في القيامة هذه الوصية قبلتها من أبي الله الآب أعلم الأبي أنه له سلطان أن يضع في تجسده يضع ذاته في الموت ويأخذ صغيرا كلام ده عمل انقسام بين اليهود بسبب الكلام ناس قالوا ده بيشطان وهو يهي تتجنن لماذا تستمعون له ما تسمعوش ده واحد الجنة فقد عقل ايه اللي بيقول لي اضع حولي اخذها الباقيين ناس تاني قالوا ليس هذا كلام به شيطان كلام ده كلام عميق قوي ده مش كلام سطحي ده كلام عميق وده كلام كله خير ده واحد بيقول انا هموت عن القطيع بتاعي ده كلام شياطين ده مش كلام شياطين ثم ان لعل شيطان يقدر ان يفتح اعين عميان المسيح لسه فتح اعين المولود اعمى هو الشيطان يقدر يفتح اعين عميان ده كلام مش بتاع واحد على شيطان وحصل انقسام بين الناس ولكن في كل مره يحصل انقسام يؤمن به ناس جداد وتلاميذ المسيح يزادوا في العدد نكتفي بالجزء ده لإلهنا المجد الدائم إلى الأبد آمين